I know Pastor and James, I think he's finished up. He told me, speaking about praying for things without doubt. And if you need more in your life materially, and you have a good heart, and you're a servant of Christ, it is biblical to pray for more, to pray for God to bless you. It's biblical. There's nothing wrong with it. What God looks at is our heart. Let's go to the book of James. And we're going to start out with verse 9. I think he's, y'all were in verse 8, 7 and 8. I know I didn't make it the last time, but I've been to some of these. I know we... uh, in the past, some of us in the church have joked about James. He's James the blunt. James doesn't greet you very much. You know, when Paul wrote, he, he gave a big greeting. James just goes right to it. Uh, I'm going to read from the beginning just to get us in the context. You know, when you read Scripture, you need to think about what's around it. That's called context. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. You're not left out, sisters. You need to consider it pure joy, too. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. I know the King James says patience. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord, He is a double-minded man or woman, unstable in all he does. You know, over the years, I've been saved for like 30 years now, 31 years. And uh, I know a lot of you or some of you don't know me. The Lord saved me out of a wild and reckless life. My mother raised me in church, but when I was about 15 or 16, I refused to go to church anymore. And I got involved in drugs and drunkenness and everything that goes with it. And uh, when God saved me, he made me stable. You know, people living without God are really unstable, especially inside, in their, in their heart. And I've, talking, I've talked to people in the construction field where I work who are confessing Christians, but they're unstable. And this is probably one of the main reasons. They don't really have their faith and their trust fully in God. And, you know, that's what James was talking about when he was talking about perseverance. And then he goes to asking God for wisdom and talks about praying and praying without doubt 
He's, he's saying, in a way, in a simple way, you could condense all that down to trust God. You've got to trust God with all your heart, whatever you're going through. You've got to trust uh, Psalm 1830 I memorized years ago. It says, as for God, his way is perfect. That's it. That settles it. For the Christian, we've got to, to believe that with all our heart. Sometimes I don't understand God. Many times I'm not sure what God's doing. Sometimes things are hard. Sometimes we have to persevere, as James is talking about. But trust God. Teach yourself to trust God every day. Wake up in the morning and say, I trust you, God, with this day. Every day I thank God for a new day to live for him. And I thank him for his mercy, and his salvation, my family, and on and on. Let's go to verse 9. We know the context. James is talking about perseverance. Then he talks about praying and not having doubt. And then he says this. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride. Now, the King James says rejoice. I think rejoice personally is better than pride there. But they're bo both proper interpretations. In his high position. Here the Spirit, speaking through James, says to those Christians who are rich, who are not rich in material goods, that they should remember always to take pride or rejoice in their high position. What is that high position? That, that position is in Christ. That no matter how hard it is for you in this world, no matter how limited you may be, if you're in Christ, you're an heir of the kingdom of heaven. The glorious kingdom of heaven that we, we cannot imagine. I think about this sometimes. How is it going to be when I stand with God in his, in his presence in heaven? It, it's going to overwhelm us. It's going to blow everything away that you've ever went through. It's going to blow away any good thing you've ever had. We really can't imagine how awesome it's going to be, but we should try. We should do our best to try. We should read what God's word says about it because it builds our faith. But it's going to be fantastic. So if you're not doing so well in this world materially, remember, in Christ, you are rich. You're an heir of the kingdom. That's what James is speaking here. In 1 John 2.17, it says this. This is a scripture I memorized several years ago also that God spoke to me about. It says this, 1 John 2.17. The world and its desires pass away. But the man or the woman who does the will of God lives forever. Amen. That's for, that's for sure. You know, James was written to Christians. We know that. It was written, written to followers of Christ just like Paul's letters were. I think sometimes people don't realize that. But it's true. This was to believers. It wasn't to the unbelievers. Does anyone have a comment? I'm going to open the floor for a comment on this first verse here. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position.
Mark? True. It's true. It can be true. Now, for a Christian who has riches, he can use it and give and bless the kingdom of God and bless other people. You know, it's it's interesting. I know all of you have studied the scriptures. You know that. Some verses are easy, easier to understand than others. This is really an easy verse to understand for the most part. Now, you can, you know, you can think about it and think about it and think about it, but this one's fairly easy. Verse 10 and 11, let me read those. But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossoms fall and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Here the Spirit speaking through James, of course, says that those Christians who are rich in material goods should take pride or rejoice in their low position. What low position is he talking about? He must, in my mind, be talking about the fact that all his riches cannot save him. But only a low position as the world sees it. In submission to Christ can save him. You know, Jesus says that if anyone is going to follow me, he must deny himself. He must deny his stuff. Take up his cross daily and follow him. If any man wants to save his, you know, his, his pride for his stuff, his desires, without submitting them to the will of God, then he will lose his life, really. God's not saying that we, we can't enjoy things. He's saying those things must be down on the low shelf compared to me. That's what God is saying. I also think that this verse is a warning to those who have a lot of stuff. That they should not allow the riches to hinder their relationship with God or even cause them to lose out on heaven. In Second Peter 2.20 it says, If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and are again entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. So to me, that's, and of course, the Assemblies of God, we do not believe that a person can be saved and never have to be concerned about losing their salvation. We, we don't believe in once saved, always saved, if you know that belief. That's one scripture that says it. It says, if they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's a saved person. But then it says, if they're entangled in it and overcome, they're worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. And that's a bad place. Don't want to be there. 
So I think this is a warning to those who have stuff. And, you know, really, that's a warning to all of us, even if we don't have a lot of stuff. You can still allow things to separate you from God. You can still allow things to be idols in your life. It can be something small. It can be a television program. It can be sports. It can be for men hunting. I've known guys that would disappear for a month from church to go hunting. That's between them and God, but personally, I think that's a little much. Where is God in your life? Is he on the top shelf or somewhere in the middle? You know, you look again at 1 John 2.17. Anybody with stuff needs to remember that again, that the world and its desires will pass away. I've talked to guys in construction, I've talked to superintendents that brag about building a building, and I mean they brag about it. And there have been times that I've, I've shared my faith with people, and I've used this scripture. And I've said, that's great, but the Bible says that all of this will pass away. And nobody can deny that. Even the atheist cannot deny that this is going to pass away. And what's going to happen when it passes away, where are you going to be? Like Pastor says, where are you going to be a million years from now? A lot of people don't want to discuss that. I think that's one of the main ways that Satan tricks people. He keeps them busy in this world so that they don't think about the end of their life. And they don't want to. You know, a lot of people don't want to face something if it's going to bother them. Or maybe they think it's going to be too hard. But we as Christians need to know the truth, and we need to help people know the truth. Anyone want to comment on this, this verse? Even if we are not rich materially, stuff can become a snare. We as Christians need to examine ourselves on a daily basis, I believe. And remember, Jesus said, you must deny yourself daily. In verse 12, it says this, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Now, here we have the prize, you could say, of persevering. Praying without doubting, being humble, considering our position in life, doing the will of God, and then we're blessed. We receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. I want to read some other scriptures concerning that. I feel like God wanted me to do that. In the book of uh, Philippians... Chapter 3, this is a familiar verse, very powerful verse. Starting with verse 12, Philippians 3.12, it says, Paul says, Paul speaking of himself, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. 
You know, Jesus has taken hold of every one of us with his love and his truth and his mercy. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize. The same thing James was talking about, the prize that God offers us. We need to keep this in our heart uh, at all times. And we need to learn to share this truth with other people. If there's anything in your life in the past that keeps bothering you, you need to ask God for help and throw it off. Like it says here, forgetting what is behind. The devil loves to bring stuff up in your mind. He loves to tempt people. And then if they fail, then he tells them they're no good. And he continues to bring it up. I know that's happened to me in my life. Probably happened to everybody here. Then Paul again talks of the, at the end of his life, if Second Timothy is believed to be at the very end of Paul's life when he wrote 2 Timothy. And he says in chapter 4, verse 6, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time has come for my departure I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. That is an awesome verse of scripture. And that should be the goal of all of us, to finish the race, to keep the faith. I don't know if Paul knew they were going to cut his head off, but that, that's what we're told happened to him. After he had ministered, after he had been beaten, I think it says that he was whipped five times with 39 lashes, three times with rods, and stoned to death, they thought. It, it doesn't really say, but it seems like he may have really died. But then the brothers came and he, he woke. He, he woke up. Maybe he was just unconscious. I don't think the scripture really says. But, and Paul, after saying that, I'm just following what, I know I'm out of James now, but James connects to the rest of the Bible. In, in 2 Corinthians, and I just felt led to, to talk about the prize. You know, what, what is the prize for persevering? James talks about persevering. What is the prize for this? Because a lot of times as human beings, when, when we're in trouble, when things are coming against us, you know, sometimes it's like life just piles on you. Just, you know, just piles on you. And, and it's like it's never, when is this going to stop, God? And that's when we need to remember the prize. We need to know what God has in store for us. One day, all of this will pass away. If you go in, in the book of Revelation in chapter 29, I mean 21, it speaks of the, 
God creating a new heaven and a new earth. Well, you know, in Isaiah, it says the same thing. Isaiah says the same thing in, in chapter 50. I've forgotten which one. It's in the 50s. But it says the same exact thing. And, and Isaiah said that, I think it probably seven or 800 years before John spoke that in Revelation. And God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And it says in Isaiah that the former things will be remembered no more. Personally, I think that means the bad things. I think we'll remember the good. But all the bad will pass away. And then you go back to Revelation 21, it says there'll be no more pain, no sorrow, no death. And that God himself will wipe away every tear. So we need, we need to remember that, brothers and sisters, because we've all been through trouble, but I'm sure there's some more trouble out ahead of us. The devil does not like us. He can't stand us. We can't stand him. But I know there was a song, I think it's 20 years old now, but where it might have been Carmen that said that, you know, the devil tries to remind you of your sins and where you came from. And then in the song he says, but we remind you where you're going. Hell was made for him. In uh, 2 Corinthians 4, it's another very powerful scripture about the eternal, the prize, and about going through trouble. Let's see, start in 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. We know that. The older you get, the more you know that. You know, I can still move around at work and do things and work pretty hard, but now it hurts more. <laughs> So outwardly, we're wasting away, yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day as we're growing in the Lord, as we're seeking God, we're, we're growing stronger inside. That's the way it should be. The more of this word we get in us, you know, the, the word of God is the spiritual food that God has given us. This, this spiritual food is more important than eating your dinner. You know, you need physical food, but the spiritual food is more important. I tell people. You know, you feed your body every day, or you're feeding your spirit. You know, if you go three or four days or a week without eating physically, unless you're fasting for the Lord, it makes your body weak. So if you're going four or five days a week, or however long, without feeding your spirit, then your spirit's weak. Right? I mean, it's elementary. Then he says this, for our light and momentary troubles... Paul says this after being beaten five times with 39 lashes. Three times with rods and stoned almost to death. You know he had scars all over him. 39 lashes five times. And a lot of times back then they would tie rocks and stuff in the, in the whip. Which is the same way they, they beat Christ. Five times and he says this. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Whatever we go through does not compare to what God has for us. Does not compare. So this is what we do.
because we know that our troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. Or as James says, the when we persevere, we become mature and complete. You know, God wants all of us more mature and complete. The more mature in the Lord you become, the more a powerful witness you, you can become. And you can affect people's lives. I thank God that there were some strong Christians that, that witnessed to me before I became a Christian. I thank God for the man. I saw a man on television and started watching him preach the word. He was an assembly of God minister, a powerful minister. I thank God for those people. Thank God for my, my sister. I still remember my sister probably 40 years ago confronting me and telling me I was going the wrong way. And I, I got mad at her, fussed her out. But I thank God that she did that. So, he says, after, after considering that our light and momentary troubles achieve for us an eternal glory, this is what Paul says to do. Fix your eyes on, not on what is seen. Fix your eyes not on what is seen. A lot of things we see are not going to last. Only the things of God will really last. And sometimes the things you see will deceive you. We live in a, a, a world of deception and trickery. Fix your eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. It's talking about God's truth and his eternal kingdom. We can't see with our physical eyes. For what is seen is temporary. It goes back to 1 John 2.17. All of this is going to pass away. But what is unseen is eternal. Man, eternal. How is it going to be? You know, take time to consider how it's going to be and read these scriptures and read Revelation 21, which I'm going to next. And I know my wife and I have, and I'm sure all of you, have known loved ones who are getting older and some have passed away. And sometimes because of the trials of life, they allow themselves to get kind of negative. And I pray to God that I never get that way. And staying in his word and prayer and being in the house of God and being around other Christians will, I believe, guarantee that you don't get that way. But it's sad when you see people, and they confess to be Christians, but they get really negative as they get older. And you know, our bodies, you know, they just don't last. <laughs> My first minister who baptized me, who was another, uh, another powerful minister, it's been, you know, 30, almost 30 years since we, I guess 28, 27, 28 years since we saw him. Pastor Larry Timmerman was his name. But he, I remember some things he said in sermons, you know, just little pieces. And one thing he said was, you know, I believe one thing, one of, one of the reasons, just my own little thinking, that our bodies wear out, God allows them to wear out, is because he wants us to want something better. And he gives us his word that tells us he's got something better for us. And it causes us, if we really want to serve God, it causes us to have strength and, and rejoice. 
Here in Revelation 21, God's talking. This is after the thousand-year reign of Christ, if you know what I'm talking about. This is, at, this is beyond this age of man. And he says this, Then I saw, this is John, seeing a vision that God has presented to him, or the revelation of Jesus Christ. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there were no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Glory to God. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for those words are trustworthy and true. Now I'm going to go back to the the book of Isaiah to that same, basically the same thing. You know, I was talking to a young man at work the other day who was raised in church. Um, but I asked him some questions, and he didn't know. He didn't know much at all about the Bible, but he was raised in church. And... Uh, I shared a few things with him, and I think it, he got interested in some things. So, All right. I lost it. <laughs> but I will find it. Here it is. Okay, it's in 65. Verse 17. Behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. And Isaiah was written, I think, 700, 700 years before Christ, six or 700 years before Christ. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. All the bad stuff, I don't think we'll ever remember it again. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Basically the same thing as what Revelations has told us. So remember the prize. I want to open the floor for anyone that wants to give a comment, a testimony.